So as, um, as we uh, kind of told you all, uh, both in prepping for this service and as you heard about it coming along and even as you've heard today, our intent throughout the morning was to simply kind of let you in a little bit of who we are and what we've experienced over Christmas seasons and um, we have all kinds of Christmas stories from our lives. Uh, you know, we, this is, we, we figured out last night, we, can't, we had to use our fingers, toes and everything else, that we've been, we've been, this is our 36th year of being married and of Christmas, spending Christmas together. And um, uh, so there, there's lots of kinds of backstories to every year, you know, and stuff that goes on. And particularly in the case of a ministry cup family where, where for us, Virtually every Christmas is uh, wrapped around our, if you will, our responsibilities and our joys of what it means to lead a congregation. And uh, so most of those 36 years has been, well, Christmas Eve, uh, as a family, you sort of put some things on hold and say, we'll deal with that after we've dealt with the congregation. And our kids bought into that at an early age. They didn't have any choice, but there you go. And and then you... uh, well, you just do a lot of life together in terms of this holiday intertwined with the church in ways that perhaps is different than, than non-ministry families. But nonetheless, we've done a lot of things over the years as, 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 you know, as a ministry couple. But there were some years when we weren't in ministry, uh, per se. Uh, like, we, we want to tell you about our first Christmas. We were, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, had, we got married in August. And of course, Christmas that year came around on December 25th. He's not only handsome, he's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. I am. No. <laughs> Go ahead. You're up. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm not brilliant. <laughs> We, we, and in preparation for this, we wanted to tell you about our very first Christmas. And um, we had a little apartment in Tulsa, and um, the day we moved in, I just sobbed in the shag carpet because I guess the people before us were fishermen because we had fish hooks in it. And I said, Wayne, I've never lived in a house with fish hooks in the carpet. <laughs> he hadn't either. But um, anyway, we talked about our first Christmas because really we couldn't afford to go to Canada or to North Carolina. Yeah, we were students. We were, we were both students in school, so we were, we were, it was... We didn't have the gas money, nor, I mean, no airfare. So we decided um, we'd like to make our little apartment look somewhat Christmassy, so we waited till the students at the university went home, and we went dumpster diving. <laughs> and so most, of, you know, a lot of people had... Uh, Christmas trees, and so the students would have to clean. Yeah, so the... the, the so the, you went dumpster diving. <laughs> the, the, the university said that they weren't allowed to leave any Christmas trees in their rooms over Christmas break, so we knew that by about December 15th, there'd be some trees available for free, <laughs> and so we did. Yeah, we did, and uh, Wayne got a really pretty little tree, stood about this high, just darling, and no lights. I thought, you know what, I have a few shoe boxes. And so I went, I, I cut up shoe boxes and made all kinds of shapes. And I went to the kitchen and we got aluminum foil mm-hmm. and we wrapped them. So we had just the prettiest little silver aluminum foil shapes. Free Christmas tree, yeah, that's but, right, yeah. Well, and there was no star on top. So we decided, what could we put on top of our Christmas tree that we're just so proud of? So we had both just finished final exams and we had both gotten, I'd gotten a project back and he'd gotten a 
a paperback that we both did really well. So we hung his paper and my project on the top of the tree. And that was our star. We were so excited about that. But it was, it was a fun. It was a little bit of a meager Christmas. That's right. That's right. But I think it's one we'll never forget. Right. We, we lived on the second floor of an apartment building. And um, there were sta- I think there were somewhere 14 or 17 stairs. It was a straight flight up. As a matter of fact, uh, Leslie, uh, later that winter, uh, literally sl- fell all the way down those stairs and one, and it was not a pretty sight. But so we're up on the second flight, on the second floor, and there was a family or a, f- a fellow down below. Yes, I think Christmas was- Eve. Yeah, we're laying in bed, and I think he was intoxicated, and we could hear the water swishing in the bathtub. Yeah, he was in the bath for a very and long time, and he was singing "Silent Light" to the top of his lungs, and I, I was crying. It went I was on really for, missing my mama. Right, and, and it, it went on for about three hours. Well, and I just had never heard a drunk man sing Silent Night. <laughs> it wasn't the lullaby that I had anticipated. But, but you know, as, um, I thought, as I look back at it now, what a sweet thing to break into the night. The sound of Silent Night yeah, that little, even breaks through that's right. our intoxicated state of life, wherever we're living. So, so anyway, it was kind of sweet. But. One of the things we've, since then, one of the things that we've done is over the years, the kids came along, of course, and um, gave us an opportunity to develop all sorts of new habits and practices and customs within our family. And uh, Leslie started collecting Christmas books of Chris, children's Christmas stories. And for many years, when she, she uh, led the, the, the uh, college ministry here for probably a good 15 years or so, and for all of December, she would take Christmas books in and read them to these college kids. And I said, honey, how's that going to work? She says, when they eat it up. And so in that vein, we thought we'd read you a story tonight or this morning. And uh, I need to tell you, this is really cool. There, this is called The Crippled Lamb. It's my favorite. <laughs> and... Uh, there are some, I'll tell you this, not to, there, there are some in the cafe, but more so, what's really cool is we reached out to Word, uh, that's the people who published it, and to the artist, and they graciously sent us all the artwork for this reading this morning. So thanks to Word, and the artist's name is um, Liz Bonham. I mean, we had a personal email from her in that regard, and uh, so we got a license to do this. And so we're gonna, you're going to see, rather than me doing this, you know, and that sort of, being Carol Merrill and all that sort of stuff, I'm going to be reading, and you can, you can see what's in the book, okay? Once upon a time, in a sunny valley, there lived a little lamb named Joshua. He was white with black spots, black feet, and sad eyes. Joshua felt sad when he saw the other lamb with snow white wool and no spots. He felt sad when he saw the other sheep with their moms and dads because he didn't have a mom or dad. He felt saddest when he saw the other lambs running and jumping because he couldn't. See, he'd been born with one leg that didn't work right. He was crippled and he always limped when he walked. That's why he always watched the other lambs run and play and he, during those times, would feel sad and alone. Except when Abigail was around. Abigail was Josh's best friend. She didn't look like a friend for a lamb. She was an old cow. She was brown with white blotches that looked like rain puddles on a path. Her belly, well, it was round. It was round as a barrel. Her voice was always kind and friendly. And some of Josh's favorite hours were spent with Abigail. And you know what they loved to do? They loved to pretend they were on adventures in distant lands, 
Josh liked to listen to Abigail tell stories about the stars. They'd spend hours on the hill looking into the valley. They were good friends, but you know, even with a good friend like Abigail, Josh still got sad. It, it made him sad to be the only lamb who could not run and jump and play in the grass. And that's when Abigail would turn to him and say, don't be sad, Joshua. God has a special place for anyone who feels left out. Well, he wanted to believe her, but it was hard. Some days he just felt alone. He really felt alone, for example, the day the shepherds decided to take the lambs to the next valley where there would be more grass. The sheep had been in this valley so long they'd eaten all the grass, the ground was bare, and all the sheep were excited when the shepherd told them, we're going to a new meadow. As they prepared to leave, Josh hobbled over and took his place on the edge of the group. But the others started laughing at him. You're too slow to go all the way to the next valley. Go back, slowpoke. We'll never get there if we have to wait on you. Go back, Joshua. That's when Joshua looked up. And he saw the shepherd standing in front of him. They're right, my little Joshua. You better go back. It's, it's a long trip. It's too long for you. Go and spend the night in the stable. Joshua looked at the man for a long time. Then he turned slowly and he began limping away. When he got to the top of the hill, he looked down and saw all the other sheep headed toward the green grass. Never before had he felt so, so left out. A big tear slipped out of his eye, rolled down his nose, and it fell on a rock. And just then he heard Abigail behind him. And Abigail said, but she always said when Joshua felt sad, don't be sad, little Joshua. God has a special place for those who feel left out. Slowly the two friends turned and they walked toward the stable together. By the time they got to the little barn, the sun was setting like a big orange ball in the sky. Joshua and Abigail went inside and began to eat some hay out of the feed box. They were really hungry, and that hay tasted very good. And for a little while, Joshua forgot that he'd been left behind. Go to sleep, little friend, Abigail said as they finished eating. You've had a really hard day. He was tired, and he lay down in the corner on some straw and closed his eyes. He felt Abigail lay, lay down beside him, and he was really glad to have Abigail as a friend. Soon he was asleep. At first... He slept soundly, curled up against Abigail's back. And in his sleep, he dreamed. He dreamed of running and jumping just like the other sheep. He dreamed of long walks with Abigail through the valley. He dreamed of being in a place where he never felt left out. But then, suddenly, some really strange noises woke him up. Abigail, he whispered, wake up. I'm scared. Abigail lifted her big head and looked around. The stable was dark except for a small lamp a light hanging on the wall. Someone is in here, Josh whispered. They looked across the dimly lit stable. They were laying on some fresh hay in the feed box. Pardon me, they're laying on some fresh hay in the feed box. It was a baby. A young woman was resting on a pile of hay right beside the box. Josh looked at Ab Abigail, thinking his friend would tell him what was going on, but she was just as surprised as Josh. Joshua looked again at the woman and the child and limped across to the stable. 
He, stepped, he stopped right next to the mother and looked into the baby's face. The baby was crying. He was cold. The woman picked up the baby and put him on the hay next to her. And Joshua looked around the stable for something to keep the baby warm. Usually there were blankets, but not tonight. The shepherds had taken them all across. Every one of them had gone across the trip on their, on, across to the valley. And then Joshua remembered his own soft wool. Timidly. He was kind of scared. He walked over and curled up close to the baby. Thank you, little lamb, the baby's mother said softly. And soon the little child stopped crying and went back to sleep. About that time, a man came into the room, came to the stable, carrying some rags. I'm sorry, Mary explained. This is all the cover I could find, and it's okay, she said. This little lamb has kept the new king warm. A king? Joshua thought, a king? He looked at the baby and wondered, who is this baby? His name is Jesus. Mary said it as if she already knew what Joshua's question was. He's God's son. He came from heaven to teach us about God. Just then, there was another noise at the door. It was the shepherds, the one who had left Joshua behind. Their eyes were big and they were excited. We saw a big bright light and heard the angels, they said. Then when they saw Joshua next to the baby, they said, Joshua, do you know who this baby is? He does now, said the young mother who was speaking. She looked at Joshua and smiled. God has heard your prayers, little lamb. This baby is the answer. And Joshua did look down at the, at the baby. Some he, somehow he knew this was a special child. It was a special moment. And now he understood why he had a crippled leg. Had he been like the other sheep, he would have been in the valley. But since he was different, he was in the stable among the first to welcome Jesus to the world. And with that, he turned and walked back to Abigail. He took his place beside his friend and he said, you were right. God does have a special place for me. You know, that's my favorite Christmas story other than the one that the children so incredibly spoke to us. But I really think it's talking about two-legged sheep. And I think it's for us grown-ups. I think it's personal because if we're honest, we've all been or maybe we are Joshua's looking for our place, looking for identity. Maybe we walk with a limp in life, looking to belong. You know, a lot of people are looking to belong to a, a club or we equate acceptance with everything being okay and all right. We wanna be good enough to be included. We wanna be talented or, or gifted or smart. None of those are what God asks. I think one of the most incredible things is when I, when I read this story and as I would talk to the college students, we'd go back to, for God so loved the world. And it's so passionate for God so loved the world because you and I know the world we live in. To be honest with you, I know me. I know me. And the absolute truth that God loves me. He loved me so much that he sent Jesus. And I know what it means to walk with a limp physically. But I also know what it means to walk with a limp in life. 
I was there, not feeling good enough. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to, to look right, be right, act right, to have this job or that job. And you know what? The more I get to know people, I find that I'm not that much different than anybody else. But when we find our acceptance in the very one who gave us life and his life, we know peace. And that's a peace we can lay down and put our head on the pillow and go to sleep at night. That's a peace where we can trust today and tomorrow and eternity. That's peace. Isn't it, Pastor? That's right. Would you pray with me, please? God, there are, well, all of us in the room here today have places in our lives where we feel like we walk with a limp. It might be in the way in which we relate to other people, we're socially awkward. It might be God in the way in which we think we're maybe not as intelligent as other people in, in the family. Or it might be God, we don't have the talent, we don't have the, um, we don't look right, we don't have the right job, we don't have the right money. Lord, there are all kinds of ways in which we can limp. Sometimes life just throws us all kinds of stuff that we didn't plan on, and it's hard. God, in the midst of that, may we find our place beside the Savior of the world. Uh, not just as children, God, but as people. Some kids, yeah, but adults as well. Understanding how you want to work in our lives and how there's a place for us in the stable. With all our foibles and all our struggles, in fact, that's why Jesus came, and we thank you for that. Maybe, may we remember that this season, this Christmas. We like the lights, and we like the presents. We like the food that's coming our way later in the day and the celebration. And it's all good stuff, because it is great news of great joy that Jesus came. But right now, in the midst of the great joy, we realize it's great joy for us because our lives can be different. And regardless of how others measure us or we even measure ourselves, you're the one who sees us through the work of Jesus Christ. Let us remember that and live it this year, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.